Alright, so welcome to episode number two of Coffee with the Captain. My name is Captain James with A Latte Fun Fishing, and I'm here today with Captain Rich of R&R Saltwater Fishing in Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> so, uh, today I guess we're going to talk a little bit about our combos and what it is exactly that we use when we're out on the water. Uh, now, I would like to say, first off, that uh, some of the gear that we use personally and what we use on our charters are a little bit different. So we're going to talk today about our charter gear. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you a real, real funny story real quick because this just happened to me. In fact, I'm going to grab my newest replacement rod. Oh, my goodness. I'll grab this one. And I'll talk a little bit about this. This is a uh, pin spin fisher. Uh 7500 series and i've got this slap full of 65 pound braid so i uh just picked this one up to replace the one that my customer threw overboard nice so <laughs> a fish hit it took off running and he just let it go and right over the side gotta love it <laughs> so there's a reason that we buy the the rods and reels we do this actually um, I really like this pen. Uh, holds up really well, and I abuse them probably uh, more than I should. So this this spin fisher, that one's completely sealed, right? Completely sealed. Kill that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so this one you can dunk. Uh, I've had this out on the beach and and uh, waded out waist deep and had the reel underwater and. No issues with it at all. In fact, my 4500 is the one that uh, I actually had underwater most recently. That one's wow. literally brand new. Yeah, that's nice, man. I like the 65. I mean, this is a good size if you're offshore. The, seven, the 75, the 65 is not quite as big. It, it feels more like a standard 75? inshore yeah. reel. Uh, 75's got a lot more weight to it, a lot more backbone. But if you're oh, yeah. trying to get after you know, an amberjack or something like that, that's really good reel. It's actually a, a decent tarpon setup as well. Okay. It's it's built stout enough. I mean that's Yeah, I mean if for the like thirty days we get the target on <laughs> right. <laughs> it's great. Right. But uh yeah, no, it's it's actually a really good rod. Uh, I'm a big fan of the pen line. One particular reason uh I like the spin fish because you can dunk them. You know, yeah. they are sealed. It is a sealed unit, but they're really smooth. There's been some uh, changes as of late. One, the bale is much yeah, thicker. thicker. I mean, that's really stout. That's really solid. I like that. Um, the fact that it is sealed. And then if I need parts, I can actually order the parts online Yeah. and, and get the parts that I need. So, you know, that's kind of nice. It looks like a nice reel. I mean, I I personally don't have much experience with the uh, spin fishers. Like all my bigger ones, I have the the Daiwa Saltis sixty five hundred and the Quantum Cabo one hundreds, which I really I really like. But they're not. I guess the the Saltis would be the only one that's sealed. I mean, it's got that mag seal in it now. 
There's what you for. Grab this guy here. This, this is what I've been using in inshore, though. This is a little cheap Shimano Sienna 4000 <laughs> with 20-pound braid and an ugly sticker rod. And what? it pretty much does everything I ask it to do inshore. Now, see, I, I do the same thing. I've got a, a 4500 spin fish. Uh, the same thing, you know, it's a sealed unit. It has the larger bail on it, mm -hmm. uh, and I've got 20-pound braid on it as well with about a So do you personally fish these, or are, are these strictly for your, your charters? Nah, this is what I'm fishing. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, now, I pull, these pull dual, dual purpose for me because I do fish these. Uh, sometimes it's just easier to grab what I have that's already rigged. Oh, absolutely. 90% 90, 90 of the time this is pre-rigged. And if I'm ready to go leave the house and just want to take a couple hours on the water, I grab a couple of these and, you know, depending on where I'm going. <laughs> now, when we were actually through a lure uh, off the dock earlier, and I had a heavier uh, rod and reel combo, but the pen 4000, this is a pen battle. This is what I usually take out on the charter. And this one I've got uh, about 100 foot of uh, mono on. I was actually uh, using this the other day, sheep's head fishing. Nice. So it's, it's set up with a couple of split shots just for the current and uh, still got a size one hook yeah. on for the sheep's head. I do like the battles. I mean, I use a lot of the uh, the fierce uh, rods or, or fierce reels on my boat, uh, especially for charters. Um, I like them a lot. the The only thing that the fierce two doesn't have that the battle has, or as far as I know, I'm not like all into the reels. But the HT100 drags. Yes. The fierce two has the the felt drags. And the, but what I hear, the felt, the fierce three has a HT 100s. So I may upgrade. The pin battle has the HT 100. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That was one of the, the things that I really liked about it. Now, this one's not as sealed as the spin fish. Yeah. But the, when you're fishing with it, it feels the same. It, it has a nice feel to it. it. It's really smooth. Uh, the drag's really smooth, and your light just went out. Technical difficulty there. <laughs> I'm going to fix that. There you go. And this would be a good point to take a break. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so I really like the looks of those reels. So this is my Daiwa Saltiga 20, two-speed. Uh, it does have a jig on it. And that, so. that's that's one of your charter? I do use these on charters, and I take them out on personal use. Uh, if, I'll, if I'll use it, I, if I trust it, I'm going to trust it with my customers. So... Now, is that a combo that you <clears throat> bought, or is that rod is, one that you picked out specifically for? Well, this is a star aerial jigging rod. I, I like my jigging rods, especially because I do a lot of jigging, and uh, dual purpose for bottom fishing. Gotcha. They, they hold 
they hold pretty strong line and uh and pretty good weight because i can run a seven ounce jig on this no problem and i still get plenty of backbone and a lot of bend in the reel in the rod nice and then this reel this 20 has about 25 pounds of drag max drag on it and i usually keep it around 20 pounds of drag so people aren't uh letting it letting it go because you get about 25 30 pounds of drag on stuff and some people will let go (laughs) (laughs) i had it set on about 10 pounds right in the drink so you know it happens and i can't say that you know i'm not guilty usually what happens is somebody will set the rod down which i've had that happen too to one of these guys this is a level wind and i really put a lot of thought into this this particular combo um i probably put more thought into than anything else uh seriously the other rods or reels that i have i bought off the shelf pin battle to you know with the a seven foot rod that came with it <coughs> not a whole lot of thought went into that other than i like the way it felt the price was right it was right at a hundred dollars yep. um and it, it's kind of a workhorse same thing with this for a bottom rod so i bought a pin uh mariner 2 rod it's rated for 15 to 30 pound one of the things i liked about it had a had plenty of backbone but it's it's actually a medium action rod um so there's a, a couple of things about that that worked out really well i've got these spooled up i've got four or five of these and I've got them spooled up with uh, some 30-pound mono, and I use these for bottom fishing. Any reason in particular I don't know if you, you, could see. you choose mono over braid? Yes. <laughs> and this had a very specific reason. So this particular rod has got a pretty sensitive tip, but I've got enough drag. And I, I think it's about 20, 25 pounds, I think, max. Um, but I've got enough drag to pretty much land anything mm-hmm. that we're catching on 30 pound anyway. And, uh, this just has a simple bottom rig on it. So a lot of times when I've got people who don't do a lot of fishing, one of the easiest things to do is to have them bottom fish this rod with the sensitive tip. Then the reason I chose it was it bends. It'll bend over in half. You still have a lot of backbone, but it starts further down the rod. So you get that nice rod tip bend. Oh, yeah. And, a, a, you know, first-time fisherman, a novice fisherman, knows when he's on a good fish. If that rod is bent over. Yes. It, has a, it does have a, a nice clicker on it. And the level wind. You don't have to sit there. And, and the level the wind. Spool. See, that's something I got to tell. <laughs> Everybody who gets on the boat who hasn't fished with a non-level wind is when you're coming up, you got to thumb that line back on there so it's even. I mean, you can, you might not be able to see it, but it is piled up just a little bit more on the right-hand side of this reel. Yeah, mine's setting pretty level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you drop this 100 foot down, and then, you know, they'll come in. That's why I purposely keep these a little less spooled than than full spool, because once they pack on there, yeah, especially if they're not thumbing, it'll pack on to one side, and a lot of times it'll get caught in these channels, like in the back, uh, well, the crossbars. And if, if, you're, if you're not a fisherman, it is hard to thumb a reel. And I can tell you from, you know, when I first started fishing, I remember doing it uh having my dad yell at me but you, you know when you're fighting a fish and you're concentrating on okay what is it i need to do you're less likely to look down at the line and keep your thumb on it and and work that line back and forth well that's the last thing they're trying to do when they're trying to keep the rod straight and they're trying to keep turning it they're you know they're trying to keep the, <laughs> the fish out of the rocks i mean this they're not they're not thinking about you know what's what's natural to me and you <laughs> <laughs> well you know a lot of it was learned too i i won't say it, it it absolutely came natural but one of my favorite things is when a fish is taking drag mm. and i look over and i see the customer just i'm like don't 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 reel don't crank don't crank you know let him let him run when he stopped okay pull up a little bit now reel back down pull up a little bit reel back down Another funny thing, try to get that on the on the screen, is when you see them high stick your rod. Yeah, if <laughs> that rod is up over your shoulder, I wouldn't call it. It's funny. too high. No, no, it's not funny. And I have seen, I have heard, my rods. I've got one somewhere. I think it might be out in the garage. Uh, I heard it crack. Yeah, before it broke. And I look, and I, I'm driving the boat, and I look back, and I see the customer's got the rod up in the air, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 too high. And I could hear it, you know, kind of crackle. And then the next thing you know, I've got a broken tip, and it's just dangling from the rod. Still landed the fish. That was the important thing. The line held. The rod should have. So that was one of those deals uh where you know you you look at it and you go okay what what failed what went wrong hmm. you know this is a learning experience and i i think the failure was me not telling the client not hey understand. don't you know yeah you yeah. don't you don't have to raise it Nothing that over high. 45 degrees short pumps yep. short pumps that's all it takes in fact you, you can't really see from this camera angle but i'm sure you can imagine the, I've got the rod here. I'll set it on the table. Okay, it's still on the table. It's still on the table. It's still. Then there's about forty-five degrees. So it's moved three feet, and the handle hasn't moved at all. It's still setting on the table. So those short little pumps, you're bringing the fish up three feet each time you give it that little bitty pump, mm-hmm. and and it it's. I always laugh, even when I see experienced fishermen do the same thing. You know, part of it is you get excited, oh, yeah. and you start cranking the, the fit. You don't have to pull it in the boat with the rod. Well, you start low. <laughs> you know? If you start low and you lift up as you're pulling, I mean, you're getting, you know, you're essentially getting more lift out of it than you would if you just yeah. lift that tip all the way out. Yeah, and the tip, when you look at the rod, the, the base <laughs> is a much heavier duty oh, than the tip. 
<laughs> Stop lifting with the tip, you know. Just lift with the. Well, I mean, you can see you can. You can really feel the backbone on these too. They're solid compared to that. This one, that's a broomstick. Oh yeah, and I've got. I actually have some broomsticks. My trolling rods are are uh, broomsticks for real. So that's the that's the charter gear. Then I've also got here. This is uh, what I'm trolling with. So this is all roller rod, and it really is. I don't know if you can see that on the, the screen or not. This is a tuna stick. <laughs> it's called a tuna tamer, or uh, what's it called? The Mac Daddy. I think that was the name of the rod. Wow. So aluminum seats. Uh, yeah, there it is, the Mac Daddy. The Mac Daddy. So this one is rated... For a line weight, 30 to 80 pounds. That's a huge spread. That is a huge spread. So that's what's recommended. That's another thing about rods. Every rod is different. So it's it's recommended to only go to uh, 80. Now, in this particular rod, I've got 65-pound braid and a 250-pound leader run into this stretch 25. This thing doesn't bend much at all it's got a whole lot of backbone but it's great for trolling because of that purpose you're putting a lot of strain on a rod and reel i think the max drag on this reel is about 50 pounds it's all you want to do if you're standing up fighting to to go to max drag on this it's, it's just ridiculous yeah it's 50 pounds which may not sound like a lot but it's 50 pounds on the end of this stick that's six foot away from you. So it's like holding 50 pounds out to the side. You know, in front of you, you're close to your body. It's not that big a deal. But, you know, pick up a bag of concrete and then hold it out away from your body yep. and see how long you can hold that. Well, you're also, you know? I mean, the, the bend it's of the a rod. Lot of, yeah, the bend of the rod, the, the line going through the water, that all adds to the drag, too. Yes. So, I mean, if you, like you, I think you said you have this set for 25 pounds or so. Right. By the time it gets to the to the fish, I mean, that's probably 35 pounds of drag that's actually on it, if you're at max drag on this. Now, here's a trick. It's more reel related than rod related, but uh, a, a trick that I like to do. So when I set the drag on this, if I am trolling with something like the Stretch 25 or um, another salt, you know, popper or something like that, I'll put it out behind the boat. I'll feed the line out. I'll get it in the position that I want, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother topic about how to run trolling lures. But once I get it out, then I will start to uh, apply the drag. So, yeah, I'll let... Uh, I'll let a little bit of line out until it's, or, or I'll apply a little bit of drag until the lure stops pulling drag. Yeah. And then I'll go just a little bit past that. So the drag is still set light enough. If a fish hits it, he can run. And he, here's my thought on that. And this depends too on how fast you're trolling the faster you're trolling the deeper that stretch 25 is going to dive mm -hmm. 
and the more pressure it puts on the rod so you're you're going to need more drag oh yeah but if you've got a a 50 pound wahoo that can swim 60 miles an hour going the opposite direction when it hits that lure and you're going you know 12 to 14 knots the other way all of a sudden man that's a lot of strain that's a lot of stress and you don't want the hook to pull out just from the two meeting the initial strike yeah i mean that's a that's a lot of pressure that 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 hook has to endure uh, the reason i've got the 200 pound mono uh leader and i've got a on that particular one i think i've got about 10 foot uh is to give it a little bit of stretch i wanted something that if a toothy critter hits it it might have a chance to stay together so but why not, uh why not a like a, let's say a wind on leader or a top shot and then a wire leader and i do that i've got one rigged up here with a uh, seven strand wire there you go on it that's pretty beefy uh with a tormentor uh wahoo lure and it's all kind of held up there so if you can see that guy <laughs> so this is a jet head and it's got a wire leader on it um so yeah, I, I have a combination. It, it kind of depends on what I'm targeting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found this year, and it may be a fluke, um, but one of the things I noticed was I actually got more bites on the mono than I did on the cable. Okay. Um, I haven't lost a fish yet on cable. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't lost a fish on cable. I've been bit off several times on mono, but I feel like it's about two to one more strikes. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it could be a fluke that that's and that's kind of chewed up too. Yeah. Well, well see, what I like to do is use about a. <laughs> that's got some teeth marks on it. <laughs> I like to do my mono, and then look at that. Look at that hook. Look at the size of that thing. That is a wahoo hook. And sharp. Yeah. I like to do my mono and then come off of like 18 to 20 inches of wire. So I don't have this four foot, eight foot section of wire. I only have this short section. So if they, if they deep throat the lure, you know, I'm protected or if they short, if they get in front of it and hit it. Well, right, yeah, I can reach. <laughs> That's a long reach from here. You can't tell probably on camera. That's pretty far reach well that's that's the thing i think this year i'm i'm trying to uh work on that tactic where i'm tackling down i'm going back to basics mm -hmm. i think i in a lot of situations i was way over over tackling and and my thought was you never know it could be the fish of a lifetime don't let it get away because you know, you're you're running some, you know, too light a tackle. Yeah. And I've had that happen so many times. And I, I actually uh, tease some people <laughs> that I've taken fishing that come offshore with me with an inshore setup. Like we were talking about earlier, the 
the 4,000. Now, I generally will bring one of these on the boat. In fact, this one right here, I like to bring with us on the boat. And the way I've got it rigged up now with just a live bait hook, uh, I can throw a, a pilchard or a piece of cut bait, piece of squid. If I've got uh, fish that swim up around the boat, maybe a mahi or tuna or something comes into our spread, we can stop and I've got something rigged up that I can put a bait on and, and pitch out and just be ready to go. Oh, yeah. We so need a couple of those. Always like to be rigged and ready for, you know, anything that happens. And this is interesting because we were talking about this earlier. Mm -hmm. So I've got a, uh, a uni to uni. I've got a, a slip sinker, and I've used a uh, split shot to stop it. So no swivel. So I'm trying to tackle down a little bit. But there are times where I like a swivel, too. Especially in the faster current, so mm -hmm. my bait, my line isn't getting twisted up. up yeah. You know, it's able to spin a little more free. I, I think it's one of those things, you know, how, how you're rigging up those, those same rods and reels. And this really is an inshore reel, but it does have its place offshore. Like I said, you know, you come up on them weed lines we saw with the uh, triple tail oh, yeah. on there. You want something light. That you can throw those triple tail. Yep. They've got great eyesight, and you need to be able to a little swim bait, put on away, yeah, live shrimp. put on some light leader uh, to throw to them. And this actually has a, a pretty pretty heavy piece of leader. That's about thirty pound there. Yeah. On uh, some twenty pound braid. <clears throat> I'm not sure what I was using that for, but <laughs> it was rigged up for something. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we generally keep a few of those on the boat, even when we go offshore, just so we have something to throw, uh, just in case you never know what's going to swim by. And I, I always feel like it's, it's one of those situations I don't want to miss the fish of a lifetime because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Oh, yeah. That's like if it's spring to summer, if I'm offshore, even if I'm 20, 30 miles out, I'm, I got a Cobia rod sitting on the boat oh yeah it's rigged it's ready in case one swims by the boat and i see a turtle and one's on it or two's on it i'm tossing on it yeah absolutely <laughs> I will stop the boat at 30 miles an hour if i see a turtle i like to have <laughs> i i like to have a cobia jig tied on at all times <clears throat> on my boat and i i i think i can't remember Two years ago, maybe, I started doing that, and it was because every time I saw a cobia, I didn't have anything to throw. Yeah. And the the next day we went out, and it happened multiple times, not not two or three, like seven or ten. Yeah. And we kept seeing cobia, and I kept coming back and telling people, hey, we were here, and we saw a cobia, and we were, you know, and I... You guys got to forgive me if you're not from this area and you don't know the places I'm about to mention. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we were along the beach, near Pensacola Beach, or if we were at the Massachusetts, or, you know, these are all places. It's a sunken USS destroyer that's close to, uh, or battleship, uh, close to uh, the Pensacola Pass. And we would see these cobia. And I had nothing to throw at them. When they were small, I wasn't so upset. Yeah. But when it was a legal cobia, yeah. 
when they're <laughs> <laughs> when you can see them and they look like good fish. Yeah, that's when I'm I'm rushing and I'm like, if I don't have anything tied up. I'm like, put a swim bait I'm on. I'm ready do now. I, Give me that 20-pound test and <laughs> let's just go for it. I'll just fight it. Yeah, yeah. I've got the drag we'll set. I'll fight it. <laughs> that, that's, that brings up a good point, too, that's probably worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So the way I like to set my rods, everybody's different. This is just how I do it. It doesn't make it right, uh, but I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable with it. I set my drag to a third of the braking strength of the approximately a third of the braking strength. So, for instance, if this was 30 pound braid, the drag would be no more than 10 pounds. And I like to set it before I leave the dock. Yeah. Because the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is your drag be cranked down and you hook a fish and you break it off. I change my leader material constantly. Mm-hmm. I, my main line, I'm not so worried about, but you know, it's, it's not seeing the, the well, chafing that I'll the leader 10, is 10 feet off of that. Probably in a fishing day. Oh yeah. Especially if I'm around bridges or rocks or anything that once this starts getting the braid starts getting frayed i'm cutting to new braid you know i'm cutting to, to nice stuff absolutely but but there and and i spool these the the reason it slap full is so i can do that yeah i can splice and go well see when i and set I, my I drag depends on can worry the species. about it later like if we're if we're going for sheep's head my drag's tight you know it's it's tightened down enough to where i can set the hook on those fish and I can bring them in, give them a little bit of play, but not much. If we're doing redfish, I'm I'm probably half or better of whatever the breaking strength is on the line. You know, depending on what size reds we're we're fishing. You know, if we're doing bull reds, you know, thirty plus inch reds, you know, we're I got tight drag and they're still pulling. Wait. I think there it depends. In my mind, it just depends on where we're fishing. If we are on the bridge, if we're around structure, then I got to be able to stop them. I don't want them getting me wrapped around the pilings. I got to be able to turn them. But at the same time, if I set my drag, in in this case, it's actually set pretty light. It's probably about four pounds. But I know, let's uh, not hook ourselves today. I get to pull it out. And I. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> right in the leg. But I know that uh, no matter what I hook up to on this rod, and I can't even get it on camera, but no matter what I hook up to on this rod, I'm not going to break my rod. Yeah. I'm not going to break the line. It's not going to be tackle failure yeah. that causes me to lose a fish. Yeah, I mean, you know, you At that set, point, it's angler fail- you failure. You got pretty good here. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's not overly tight. No, that's not... I mean, yeah. I got this one set at like, like I said, about seven, eight pounds. It's pretty tight. Oh, yeah. I keep them like this. Just for the simple fact that when people get on here and it's just, and it, you know, if the fish is pulling on it, I don't want to have to be, all right, stop, stop reeling, stop reeling. Let me grab it, tighten it up a couple clicks, and it's still going. Well, it, I, I really think. against the drag. 
it depends so, it depends on the situation and the species of fish you're targeting oh yeah but i just think it's a good rule of thumb if i set the, if i preset the drag on a trip mm-hmm. i can hand the customer the right rod with the right lure or the right bait and the drag is preset and i don't have to worry about them cranking the drag down yeah. And I usually, if they're fighting a fish, I'm trying to watch and see exactly what it is they're doing and and guide them and try to give them proper technique. Again, I, I'm not the expert. You know, I don't think that I, I know it all. But just for over the years, what's worked for me, and this is what I try to pass along to them, oh, yeah. you know, just to help uh, make your chances better of landing that that trophy fish oh, yeah. and what's works what works for you may not be the the thing that works for me or works for them or you know i mean yeah everybody's I, got their own way of of doing things and how how they learned to do it you know like me i may you may throw you know a, a, a ly to a triple tail i'm throwing a shrimp you know you may <laughs> no no i i like to I like my chances with the shrimp and the yeah. triple tail tea. <laughs> but I know a ton of people, you know, who who are just like, you know, oh, this is the best bait in shore. You know, this is the best bait. And I love L.Y. I love going out. I'll catch a cast net full of them. But I'm also going to, if I'm staying in shore, I'm going to have seven, eight dozen of shrimp too. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Again, just like the rods, I think with bait, there's, you know, better bait for different situations. Um, right now it is winter, I guess here Yes, in Florida, (laughs) just 70 degrees, but you know, it's cold. It's cold. I've got on long sleeves. I was cold. Um, but the shrimp still seems to be kind of a, uh, a winner right now. And, you know, I've had some select baits the last couple of times that I've been fishing I've had really good bait and couldn't get a bite and gone to a shrimp and just get lit up. Oh, yeah. You know, where you just can't keep a bait on the bottom. It hit the water. I threw a shrimp at a piling on Christmas Day, <laughs> and the thing jumped two foot out of the water. When it hit the water, it jumped. And I thought, what is going on? And as soon as it landed, a red come up and smashed it. Nice. Yeah. And unfortunately, too big to keep. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, that's the way it goes. <laughs> this time of year, especially, it's, they're giants. They're, you know, we don't, it's hard to find a slot red. They're all giants. Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, sometimes shrimp is the key to, you know, a good day. I, I always try to take a variety of baits on the boat. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's kind of like a running joke between a lot of the folks I know on social media and whatnot uh, that we use shrimp. Or, or squid for everything, which is true. I always have squid on the boat. Yep. You know, if I go offshore, you better bet there's a couple pounds of frozen squid on the boat at yeah. least. Um, if nothing else is working, squid works. Sometimes squid works, you know. If Puts I'm a going, lot of scent in the water. Yeah, if I'm leaving the bay, I'll have five pounds of shrimp at least, you know, depending on what I'm doing, uh, especially deep dropping. Now, here's somebody brought this up to me the other day, and and I thought this was kind of neat. And I'm going to try it. I'm actually going to try. Next time I'm offshore, I'm taking some shrimp with me. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the sheephead, 
and where sheephead go and where do they go in the summer where are they at in the winter and i said well you know a lot of times there's resident fish they're always around Mm -hmm. you just don't catch them and some of the deep spots in the summer when the fish go deep to try to find that cool water when the water's real hot they go deep the fish are there holding on the same structure but nobody drops a shrimp down in 80 foot of water 90 foot of water i've never been with anybody to drop a shrimp in 90 foot of water i tried it did you this past summer were you able to no to bring up anything no no i was using shrimp on everything and the only thing the only other bait we had because we started off as a as a bait trip and it was just so nice offshore and i was like all right let's cast net some bait we got like three or four dozen and i was like let's go offshore well we quickly ran out of bait you know, <laughs> right four four dozen baits don't go don't take long <laughs> and then the only thing i had left was shrimp and bull minnows and i was like all right you know let's let's use use the live bait and we're dropping down to, to mingos and right know, yeah nothing nothing really i was like man you gotta be kidding me but now see i would have thought them. the mingos would have tore them shrimp up no not at least not with me but we left a few out and let them kind of dry up a little bit and cut them up in half and you know once they started getting a better scent on them like more smelly yeah they worked but you know the fish bites were were actually producing better than yeah see that's funny too i had a uh, a night trip that i ran and we went to the bridge uh after some bull reds and i had caught earlier that day I'd caught four or five dozen threadfin. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, this would be great. I had a bunch of menhaden. I thought, man, this would be great. So I threw half the menhaden in my live well. Mm-hmm. The other half I threw in the fish box. And I thought, well, I'll freeze them up. If I don't use them, I'll, I'll have cut bait. So we get to our spot, and I put three lines out. And I've got one free line. I've got one deep. And I've got one running a little shallow. Nothing. And we sat on this spot, and I'm marking fish. The screen is lit up, and I can show you a picture of it right here. And the screen's lit up. I can see the fish. They're there. Nothing's biting. Mm-hmm. So I reel up one of the lines to check the bait. The bait's still frisky as all get out, swimming around. I take the bait off, throw it back in the live well, and I grab one of the dead baits. Mm-hmm. I cut the head and the tail off, hook the body on a three-out circle hook, the bottom rig, yeah. drop it back down. Before it hits the bottom, I've got a red on. Oh, yeah. They stayed lit up. I hand the rod to my customer. He starts fighting the fish. I start reeling in the other lines just to clear them and get them out of the way because he's got a nice fish on. Uh, so as it's coming up, I'm grabbing the net, and I'm, I'm pulling up lines. I go ahead and take that head that I cut off. I take the live menhaden off, throw it back in the water, hook the head, drop it in, land his fish. No sooner than it's in the net, the other rod goes off mm-hmm. with the dead bait. Yeah. And that particular night, dead bait was the key. And we landed, uh, I think it was either eight or ten within an hour and they were just back to back nice amazing 
Some days. a really good night of fishing, it started out super, super slow, and here I've got these nice, fresh baits. Mm -hmm. I think maybe we even had some live mullet in that mix, too. But the key ended up being, and once we figured it out, the mm -hmm. dead bait was, was what they wanted. That Sometimes was it. they don't want to fight for it. You know, they don't want to Not easy it. meal. Yeah, it's, it's there. I smell it. I'm eating it, you know. And... <clears throat> Sometimes that's what it takes is to just switch it up just a little bit. You know, you, you, you hear of people all the time, you know, talking about the way they caught this fish, you know, they, uh, especially on the East coast, you know, they, they, it's a joke now about, you know, catching mutton. Now they stomp on, mm. stomp on croaker heads, you know, and it's, it's not really a joke, but <laughs> you know, yeah, I've seen it, done. <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny. It's sometimes that's what it takes. I've been told that's the, uh... That's the way to do it. That's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So, and I try not to step on my bait when I can help it because it just gets all over your shoe and I still want to track go. around the boat. We got to go this year, <clears throat> take a boat over to the East Coast. Oh, to the East Coast? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I got to get, I got to knock a couple fish off my East Coast list. <laughs> I would like to take a trip down to uh, the Keys, I think. During lobster. Yeah. Oh, a little mini season would be the time to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there's so many people going to maybe that's not the, the optimal time, but I, I would love to be there for, for mini season. I yeah, think that would be great. I'd love to go down this – well, not this time of year because it's nice and warm today, but, like, on the days where it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd rather be – There's been a few few days here recently where I thought, man, <laughs> I need to, I need to go south. south. Yeah. I need to go south. Yeah. They st still have 80 degrees, you know. Uh, I need to be south. Uh, what else was I going to... I had a question for you. Um, no. No? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on your... Oh, I remember what it was. So, this time of year, mm -hmm. right? Winter is getting colder. What kind of fish can you expect to catch inshore? Uh, right now, we're looking. You're looking for reds. You're looking for sheep's head, trout. Speckled trout's been been a pretty good bite, and also the white trout around structure. Uh, that's pretty much pretty much it right now. I mean, once the water temperature warms up, we got you know a whole bunch of other stuff we can target, uh, but. Like mangrove snapper is hit and miss right now. You know, you can get. I had a lot of miss on mangrove yeah. the other day. <laughs> My go-to spot was pretty, a, pretty dry. I had a pretty good hit on them. So and that was freakish to me because it's not normal that you catch them this time of year. But they are on the smaller side. You know, you're, you're that's, hitting. That's what we saw too. Was the smaller ones. Yeah, you're hitting yeah. two or three, you know, nine, nine and a half inches to every ten inch, eleven inch one you get. Uh, my literally my go to spot. Um, I I didn't catch anything over eight. We were back, <laughs> back from our break. Um, so I think we've we've covered the. A little bit of the inshore rod and offshore rod. 
Tell you what, if you found any of this information helpful at all, please like and subscribe. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to, to give us a call. Uh, you can reach Rich at... 850-889-6589. Or you can give me a call. My number is 850-377-3777. Be more than happy to chat with you. You can also email us... Uh, Look us up on social media. Leave a, a comment in the description. Uh, if you have a question, if you, there's something that you would like to know from a full-time captain, uh, you know, leave a, leave a comment. We'll be more than happy to answer it. And post a video as well. Coming soon to a theater near you, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to try to do a podcast live and with audience participation, so you'll actually be able to come where we are That's and ask fun. questions live. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Maybe we should have them answer the questions. That's, I, that would be even better. Yeah, let's ask them <laughs> the questions. I've got some questions. <laughs> if you guys have some tips, here's one. I, I've got a question I really want to know. Leave a comment down below. Tell me what your favorite insurer setup is what's your go-to combo i i really want to know me too i'm, I'm just all, curious i'm always looking for the the better option you know if they they find something better maybe i'll like it better absolutely <clears throat> well until next time i've been captain james i'm captain richard <laughs> hoping that you have a latte fun fishing be sure to like and subscribe check us out on iTunes, Google Play, or Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify. Where else you got us? Uh, pretty much everywhere. We <laughs> are good. everywhere, but especially YouTube. Please be sure to like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell for the next video. That's it. That's it. I'm out of here. Peace. Get my coffee. I'm gone. I'm back to Mountain Dew. <laughs> Thank you.